All right. Hello, people of YouTube and of the podcast sphere. Again, um, we back. We back after some technical difficulties. So uh, anyway, to not completely redo the entire shtick, special episode of Spectator Diff today covering the launch of Overwatch 2. We had some news in the uh, episode that had no audio before this, but we're really more just excited to talk about Overwatch 2. So without redoing everything, uh, please do us a favor before we get back into it, I guess, and leave a like on this video, uh, subscribe to the channel, subscribe to us wherever you consume your podcasts. Um, normally the shtick is we're here every Monday uh, at 12.30 at some point at some time zone uh, to cover what happens in the Overwatch League, but because today is the launch of Overwatch 2, we thought we would do something special and sort of send off Overwatch 1 in style and, and go back in to, or, well, and sort of lead into Overwatch 2, as it were. So we'll still do a little tiny little bit of news. We're going to do our predictions for the coming week of the Overwatch League, and uh, then we're going to talk about Overwatch 1. And then we're going to get out of here and play some Overwatch 2, which you should do as well. So if you're here watching us, thank you very much. Uh... The game goes live in about half an hour, so in that time, we're going to talk a little bit. So, I guess without more ado, uh, <laughs> now that we have audio... News round two? News round two, uh, we're just, just... Let's pick it up from the Calling All Heroes thing, because I feel like that's a good headline to talk about. Yeah, hey, if you were curious what you missed, here's the bullet points. If you went into Overwatch 2 with credits, you have legacy coins now. Congratulations. Workshop mode, not going to be available at launch. It's coming later. It's not done yet. They redid Roadhog's ass. Now he has a butt crack. Congratulations. Um, watch some Twitch in the next three weeks. Get some free Kiriko skins. Find the details somewhere else. All right, Calling All Heroes. So Blizzard is launching this thing called the Calling All Heroes Initiative, which is objectively a good thing. What they are doing is creating an access path and a roadmap for those of marginalized communities and genders to find their way into professional Overwatch, which is really awesome because you know what, to be quite honest, there's just not a whole lot of that. So thing number one is called the caster camp. So it will be led by Matt, Mr. X Morello and Zoe Gashind of the desk, uh, as well as some other folks from the talent crew helping folks learn about and get prepared to become casters in the overwatch community which is really awesome the other half of this which i think is very exciting is this new idea called the challengers cup which will run alongside overwatch league path to pro and this is going to be a cup exclusively a tournament exclusively for those of marginalized community and gender which again is really really awesome you know we've only had one woman in the overwatch league in its five-year history there have been a few women and non-binary folks in contenders, and there's been a lot of toxicity around that. So I'm not here to praise Blizzard for doing good because Blizzard kind of sucks, but it is nice to see the Overwatch League team and the Overwatch team as a whole create these opportunities for more access to the pro sphere. I think it's fitting, too, because as far as uh, games are concerned, Overwatch is one of the more, like, diverse games out in on the market today. And so I kind of, I guess, sort of, like, adding to the, adding to the, the diversity pool is never a bad thing. It's, you know, just generally, like, it's nice to see them trying to do good, especially considering Blizzard as a company is not the most wholesome, as we've found out in, in past years. Sure ain't. That's for sure. 
All right, so I've got a couple of headlines related directly to Overwatch League. The first is that Overwatch League fam... Bleh, bleh, bleh. Let me try that again. Okay. Overwatch League MVP fan voting is now live. You can either vote on Twitter or you can vote on the League website. Brad, do you know the folks who are nominated for MVP? Do you want me to read the list? I, I think, I, what do you think? I know, uh, I know a handful of, of them off the top of my head, but I think you should read the list first. Right on. So we've got Proper from the Shock, Kevster from the Gladiators, Hanbin from the Fuel, Lip from the Dragons, Chu from the Glads, Prophet and Smurf, both from the Soul Dynasty, Zest from Philly Fusion, Hottie from London Spitfire and Kai from the Atlanta Rain. Brad, out of that list, we don't have to get into a whole big old MVP discussion. I don't think we need to do that today. But who is your knee-jerk reaction if you had to cast a vote right now? Who would you give it to? Proper. It's not Proper? even. It's not even a question. Like, I don't think. I don't think the San Francisco Shock has even remotely the success that they've had. You know, with success in big old quotation marks given the the lack of tournament wins, but I don't think they have even remotely the closest amount of success with uh, without proper in the, li the lineup. He's probably the hardest carry in the league right now by a wide margin. You know, even in the even in the the um, the mirror matchups that he's had against like Kevster and uh, I'm trying to think of a couple of the other ones that were like really really definitive, but the the, the mirror matchups have even been kind of just like staggering so like i you know a, a second pick would be hottie but if if we're looking at it within the context of what they've done for their team uh i think hottie is is less of the hard carry and more of he's brought the team together in a different sort of way i think i think london spitfire have success without him i don't think shock have nearly as much without proper yeah, I think that's all fair. Um, my hot take is I would give it to Hottie. There's been a lot of conversation in the last few weeks around the Overwatch League sphere of should Proper get both MVP and Rookie of the Year? And, you know, whose opinions on that really matter? Certainly not mine. But my opinion is that, no, he shouldn't just because it's boring. Give more awards to more people. So I give yeah. Proper MVP or Proper gets Rookie of the Year. Hottie gets MVP, but again, my opinion doesn't it, matter. That's just my take. It's weird because, like, I, I agree that he shouldn't get both, and and there is a there like it, there's almost a stronger argument for him to get Rookie of the Year because it's because it's not even close. <laughs> um, like that's that's the thing. Uh, the the weirdest part is it's like it's not even close with Rookie of the Year, so it's almost like take him out of the contention for Rookie of the Year, give him MVP, and like make the the Rookie of the Year contest a little bit closer because. At that point, it's not even, it's not fair. It's just not. <laughs> that's it. That's really interesting. I would almost go in the opposite direction. I don't think rookies should be eligible for MVP. I mean, that's also um, like, it, that's also a reasonable like outlook as well. It's, it's, it's hard to say. It, it's just one, it's one of those rare cases where like he's had such a massive impact that, that, that it's, it, where do you, where, what award do you really give him? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. My last headline. The San Francisco oh. Shock re-signed Stryker. And I'm that's all I'm going to say. Brad, your thoughts. You, you're just going to let me lead this one? I am. I 
there there's no way I could have nearly as many opinions as you. This is so weird. It's so weird. Um, so I've been thinking about this a lot all weekend since they announced it on like Thursday. Um, and to me, it screams a couple of things. The most likely to me, at least at first until I saw what they planned over the weekend was a contingency plan because he and proper have identical, uh, hero pools. So it they was, sure do. it was a strange pickup. There was, you know, there have been some rumors that that Proper has been having some health issues. Um, And so originally I thought that it was a contingency plan in case those were getting more serious so that they had uh, another like ringer of a of a uh, Tracer Genji player in their pocket, especially going into the finals. Um, It is proving to be less the case, at least uh, the, the way they chose to play them both this weekend and have him as a duo with proper and put proper on the sojourn um which i didn't hate actually i didn't hate the choice so that brings me to my second theory that i've crafted that it's not so much a contingency plan and it's more of crusty going trying to get more uh veterans sort of on the team going into the finals to take some of the pressure off of proper um because they are, up until this weekend, they were a team of four rookies and Violet. And right. when Proper is such a hard carry, like, a, a lot of, like, what we were just talking about with the MVP and Rookie of the Year thing, like, uh, he's got so much carry potential that there's just a lot of pressure on him to perform. And when he doesn't play perfectly every single time, it it falls back on the team who are all really great and work together very well in their own right. But, you know, we, we've we seen the nerves come out in almost every tournament now. So I think I think the strategy now is taking some of the pressure off of proper, having a really, really solid DPS line, and then hopefully bringing that sort of cohesion to the, the grand finals to, to really secure the, the final win. So, you know, it's, it's definitely an interesting strategy. I have been skeptical of it because I've thought, you know, maybe they should get another support player, because um, to me their DPS has not really been the problem. But I can I can see the argument for why they've done this, at least in my mind. I've been able to rationalize it in my mind, so I it, that seems to make sense to me. If if I was crusty, that seems to make sense. So I get it. Still a weird pickup, but you know we'll have to see. It didn't work the first day, but. By the time they hit Atlanta, they they figured some things out. So they reverse swept Atlanta in a pretty definitive fashion. Like the minute they turned it on, it was on. Um, so right. I'm wondering, you know, maybe that's the shift. Maybe we've seen the the apex of their of their uh, losing streak, and now we're going to start to see them really shift into high gear going into the last few weeks of the of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think that all seems totally possible. I am looking at the Str- the Shocks roster right now, and they've got a glut of DPS players. Oh, yeah, right? four players. Like, you've got Sam, Kilo, Striker, and Proper, and somebody's got to go. I really like that idea of they're trying to take some of the pressure off Proper, because that was certainly... A reality. I mean, the if proper didn't pop off, the shock did not look like the shock. So I think it's really reasonable to think like, yeah, let's get another vet in there 
somebody who we know can keep up with proper if proper has an off day can take some of that heat off but what i really don't understand is sam and i know that we have not been super easy on sam over this uh whole podcast that we've been doing but like at this point in the shock roster what spot do you fill and i think at some point if you're gonna keep striker and proper they're going to have to wa- one of them at least is going to have to widen the hero pool. Yeah. But well, I mean I don't know. It did work for them like you said. Yeah. They they won a game and that's not nothing. You know, the argument the argument is like proper can also do hit scan which I've heard multiple times and we know he can play the sojourn at the very least. I don't know how his widow is. I don't know how his ash is. Um I don't really see them getting rid of kilo, but I don't know what the long-term plan is. To me, I, I think it's a little combination of contingency and, and the, the pressure point sort of uh, conversation. I, I think I don't think Stryker is a long-term pickup. I, I get the feeling that he's here to just, you know, kind of bring a little extra cohesion at the, at the last second and just sort of, like, like I said, relieve pressure. Um, they don't need the extra flexibility on the DPS line. They ju- they don't. They simply do not. But but giving proper a little bit of a break is probably doing wonders for his mental health, especially going into these final few weeks where the where the pressure is very high. They don't need to drop anybody. They're they're NRG. They can they have money to throw at the problem. Like that's not an yeah. issue for them. They could theoretically expand their roster even further. But Stryker's been retired like twice now as well. So. I don't necessarily consider him the long-term pickup, the long-term solution. I think this is just a short-term. We needed somebody to to help, like, solidify the DPS line and just keep the nerves at bay. Someone who's won two tournaments with this team, someone who Krusty can, like, trust in, and who know, he knows how to coach. So that's kind of where I think this is headed. I don't know if, like, next season he'll still be around. Yeah, there's definitely a striker wants to retire on the shock kind of vibe yeah. that I would fully believe, you know, if, if that's the case. Um, yeah, so that's that's that. I mean, yeah. they won a game, so that's better than it's been. And striker got minutes, and he looked good. So, you know, what yeah. are you going to do? Love it. All right. Well, that is all of the headlines I have. Just because of the way today is going, we are going to swap things up a little bit. We're going to do Preds and Rankings first. So we've got Preds and Rankings coming at you next. For last week, I did better than you for the first time in a long time. I was 3-2. and two, You were 2-3, and three, um, which leaves our overall records for the season. Me at 21-13. and 13, You at 23-11. and 11. What's really important is... Did we beat our friends' brackets who just randomly picked things? Hell yeah, we did. We're both ahead of them by, like, 20 points. Woo! So, actually, by, like, 10 points. Whatever. It's fine. Uh, we're, we're in the lead, and that's what really matters. All Excellent. right. Are you, my best friend Brad, ready to do some predictions? Sure I have am. a little game for us this week. Okay. My game this week is what I like to refer to as a test of faith. How much faith do you have in these teams that you will be predding? Oh, good Lord. And I think that you will get the vibe as I start to ask you these. Go right ahead. (laughs) Game number one, 
It's a token match on October 7th. L.A. Valley and Guangzhou Charge. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh. I... <laughs> Hold on. I, I need to look at week... I need to look at week two again <laughs> really quickly. Yeah, go ahead. You scroll uh, away. Oh, boy. Um, okay. 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 Oh, boy. Oh boy, uh -huh. howdy. Um this is this is tricky. I honestly I think I'm going to give it to the Valiant. I do. I think I'm going to give it to Valiant. I think it's going to be a five banger. I think it's going to be a 3-2. I'm going to give it to the Valiant. I'm also going to give it to the Valiant. I'm going to call it a sweep. I think they 3-0 oh, the charge. They they they've been looking surprisingly good. I ooh. Ooh. All right, now, here's the test of faith, Brad. The next day, LA Valiant play a Shanghai Dragons team that's looked really bad. Yep. Did the LA Valiant beat the Shanghai Dragons? Yeah, they do. They absolutely do. Mm-hmm. They're going to do the it. What's the score? Uh, it's going to be 3-1. I, I think that the charge game is going to be closer because at this point, the Dragons have not gotten better <laughs> they haven't they mm -hmm. haven't they got 3-1 by the fusion they got oh they did beat the spark okay so that's they beat the spark, they beat the spark but the fusion Barely. beat them the fusion beat them and yeah i i, I think it's going to be 3-1 valiant i i think that looks good this is looking to be a good meta for them so in my heart of hearts i want it to be a 3-1 for the valiant however okay I think that this is where the train stops. I really do. I think Shanghai gets too big for their britches, and I don't think they close against the Dragons. But I would be ecstatic to see it happen. I'd be very, very happy with that. All right. The next day, this is a, a different kind of test of faith, mm. these next three <laughs> games. They're all a little different. But this one, again, hot streak versus, well, it's looked better, but still kind of a cold streak. L.A. Gladiators, Washington Justice. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. We're, we're, in, the, we're in the West now. This okay. is the easy. This is the break in the middle. The okay. next two games are far worse. Great. Um, I mean, this is, yeah, this is going to be Gladiators. This is going to be like 3-1, three, three, I think. I, I, I don't know. I don't have the faith in, I don't have faith in the Justice. I don't. I really don't. They've yeah. looked better. I don't think that much better. <laughs> yeah, I also go with the Gladiators on this one. Uh, things seem to have really settled in. Khan seems like a great pickup for them. Um, things seem good. I'm happy for them. All right. October 9th. Vancouver Titans. Ooh. Paris Eternal. Um, I'm liking the Titans for this. This is one that they could very easily win. Um, it sure is. But the Titans' performance over the last couple of weeks, with the exception of their game against Toronto, might might lead you to believe that it isn't. Yeah, I know. But, like, I, I look at the Toronto match, and they, they looked it, – it, it's not like it, it was a fluke. They looked substantially better than in the, in the prior week. Like, I watched that game because I fully expected Toronto to whoop them. That's one of the games I got wrong because I thought that they were just like in the dumpster after the past couple of weeks. They don't have anything to play for. I 
honestly, like, they looked strong. They looked really dominant in that match. And the, the Eternal, like, while they've been getting better, I don't, I still don't think that they have the cohesion. And, and we know that D-Pay is a better coach. So, like, I think, I think all of the pieces are in play for them to get another win out of this week. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I'm going to go with Paris. Okay. Kind of because I want to. Because I just kind of want Paris to win the Breadstick Bowl this year. But, like, it is the Breadstick Bowl. Um, I don't I don't have a lot of faith in either of these teams. I did not watch much any Overwatch this weekend. I was exceptionally busy. So, I'll watch some things this week. And I will say that these Preds that I give in the show are not always the Preds I lock in on Pick'em's. Because sometimes my opinions change over the week as I catch up on things I missed over the weekend. Yeah. So today me says Paris 3-2. And if I get that wrong, it will absolutely affect my pred show record, my show record on the preds. But um, what do you give the score, Vancouver over oh, Paris? Oh, yeah. I, I, like, I like this one to be – I like this one as 3-1 as well. I I don't know. I don't, I don't think Paris has looked good. I really don't. I – of all of the teams that have shown up this this I guess this stage now, like they still just haven't done it for me. They've looked just inches better, and that's about it. Like I don't I it's not the it's not the same difference that I saw with Vancouver week to week this time around. I I just like that's genuinely one of the things. And they just I, they just beat Toronto handily. Like I I I feel pretty confident with this one. All right. My last one, and this is my last big test of faith question. Okay. On October 9th, the Dallas Fuel versus the Atlanta Rain. Oh, God. This one's easy. This is actually very easy. Dallas Fuel, up to this point, is undefeated. I would also say that I think Dallas Fuel has had the easiest strength of schedule in the Countdown Cup. Yeah, they have. Their victories have been over... Vancouver, London, which not necessarily to say London is easy, but then uh, uh, that's the wrong week. I'm looking at the wrong week. <laughs> London and Vancouver and also Washington and Paris. Atlanta, on the other hand, lost to the shock in a reverse sweep, yes, has had, I think, a more difficult strength of schedule has looked good and looks what I would call to be like a little bit more reinvigorated. So what do you think? Reinvigorated? Yes, but I'm going to uh, offer the argument that Dallas has looked stellar, like even more so than in the Junker Goats meta, they look very, very comfortable right now. And they seem to have a very solid handle on what it is that they want to do. That's not saying that Atlanta doesn't, but they do still fall in that in that mid category for me where i'm just not convinced i don't see i didn't watch i watched the shock atlanta match because i i didn't watch it live i didn't have the chance but i saw that the shock reverse swept them and i went huh how did that happen and it's because there are just there are exploitable holes in what atlanta does and good teams find those holes and they they exploit them and I, you know, is there a potential for them to get a map on Dallas? Absolutely. 
absolutely. I could see, I could even go so far as to say they might get two, but I don't think so. I think Dallas is going to win this one 3 1. I, I, a lot of 3 1s in my prediction this week, but like, these are the kind of, these are the kind of faith maps where it's like, yeah, they'll probably get a map, but like, I don't see them getting two against Dallas. I think the Shock are on a rebound right now where, they found what they needed to at the right time to make it work. But I don't think Dallas is going to have that kind of trouble going into this match. So I'm I'm saying Dallas 3-1. You know, honestly, my opinions are pretty similar. Uh, I kind of gave this a big setup in hopes to make it dramatic. I also <laughs> think Dallas looks really good. I think it might go 3-2 because I think Atlanta looks really good right now too. But like Dallas is... Dallas is here to curb stomp, man. Yep. They're looking great. Absolutely. Conbin is on fire right now. Um, <clears throat> yeah, stuff just looks really good for Dallas. So that wraps up our predictions. This is when we would normally talk about a game of the week. I think we have a game of the week to watch, but we're probably just going to talk more about Overwatch 1 we for sure the next are. couple of minutes here. So <clears throat> what do you got, Brad? So I'll, I'll, I'll lead us off here because um, this, was, this was my – my little like, oh, let's try and do something for this uh, while we were talking over the weekend. Um, so we are going into Overwatch 2. We are less than, theoretically, 10 minutes away from the official launch, supposedly. Um, while this is going on in the background, let's just talk about, let's send off Overwatch 1 in style. Tell me about your history with Overwatch, what it is to you. Why we are doing, like, what brought us to this podcast effectively over X number of years now? Yeah, dude. I have been a big fan of Overwatch since, like, the game launched back in 2015, 2016. The thing with me is that I didn't have any, like, way to play Overwatch back then, and so I didn't. I was really tangential to Overwatch. I got in largely through the cinematics and the lore. I mean, I was, like, very much sucked into the world of Overwatch. Uh, I did enjoy watching some competitive levels of Overwatch. And mostly at that point, what I was doing while I was, like, in late college and in my first couple years out of college was just watching other games creators who were not necessarily overwatch creators playing overwatch on their channel every once in a while and then covid happened and lucky for me like six weeks after covid happened overwatch launched on nintendo switch a console that i do own and i got really into overwatch and drug all of my friends into overwatch and uh pretty much just started playing from there and then the big thing during COVID is, like, I'm a big sports fan, right? Like, I love hockey. I, I keep up with football. Like, I just like sports. And when COVID started, I had a really hard time not having sports to watch regularly. It, it really bummed me out. And I just, like, really wanted something to be competitive about. And I got into watching Overwatch League right around the same time. And got hooked became a washington justice fan because they had just picked up decay and they plopped his ass on zarya and 
it was the Giga Hog meta and everything was awesome for like four weeks. Hmm. And yeah, here we are. I mean, that's pretty much pretty much the long and short of it, I think. So like, I mean, this is a th- this is kind of kind of big for you in particular because you're not a first person shooter guy. It's true. Uh, this is definitely harkens back to games I liked when I was, you know, just getting into playing games like GoldenEye, uh, Wolfenstein, um, gosh, Battlefront 2, yeah. 007 Agent Under Fire, like games that I was playing in the early 2000s. And yeah, I mean, I did get away from first person shooters i don't dislike them but i'm not a pc gamer obviously i still play on console like i am not your standard uh your standard like target demo for a game like overwatch and i think that was something that i always loved about the game and i've I've changed my discord tag in a couple channels to 6v6 aficionado um because what i fell in love with with overwatch was how much it was like hockey in a video game form where there is this real focus on team cohesion and plays and counter picking and uh one of the big things that i don't like about first person shooters is like gun games where you've got you know like 50 different sniper rifles and you always lose to the guy with the best sniper rifle uh or whatever i really enjoyed overwatch being a game where like you know your heroes have cooldowns you have your move kit and not a thousand other things i'm watching reiner put on a show with arisa right now and i'm very much enjoying it but um yeah you know like you have so much more focus on the way the game is played than you do entirely on how good of a player you are and and i really like that game sense of it and uh, yeah i mean i just got hooked you know Mm -hmm. now that's very cool i it's just interesting to me because it's this overwatch in and of itself is just such a different it's such a different game when it comes to when you put it in terms of like first person shooters and especially now going into like the the free to play universe like it's something that's completely it is it's so standalone in the sense of free to play now because i think off the top of my head it's like the only triple a title that's free to play that's not a battle royale and thank god for that because lord knows we, we we need less of them now um but like it's just yeah it's interesting to me because for for you know for what this game is i i think it has it has something a lot of other AAA titles don't and that's a lot of heart you see it in the community in particular there aren't a lot of gaming communities these days that um that can really prop up a title for 3 years um on their own like the cre- this this game has literally existed on the back of content creators now for for years and and just guys in a in a basement in their in their room just trying to like milk every piece of interesting content out of this and you know the league has had its, its struggles as well because the the game has been slowing down in momentum for some time now but it's 
it's really got kind of a heart to it that not a lot of not a lot of, of uh, not a lot of other AAA titles really have. Um, I talk about this a lot. Like for a while, when I got into Overwatch One, like I was chasing the dragon left behind by uh, Titanfall Two, which you have had the recent um, pleasure of being, <laughs> which I recently learned a lot about. Yeah, yeah, you recently got dumped into the massive, extensive lore of that game. But the thing with the, the Titanfall, like Titanfall 2 and, and Overwatch shared a lot. They were released within, like, they were released in the same year. Overwatch came out, I believe, probably six months earlier uh, in May of 2016. Uh, and uh, Titanfall was out in October. But they, they share a lot of similarities in the sense that, like, both games were sort of abandoned by their, their creators not long after their, their actual you know rise to the to fame titanfall never really got the the massive triple a rise that overwatch ultimately did but it did suffer from the same falls and like i i think both of them like it was another game that even to this day is still being propped up by its community there's a there's now an entire like modding thing with with titanfall 2 that's literally creating content for the game in in the pc sphere um which is really insane but it's like it's it's one of a few titles that I can really point to this and 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 Titanfall that like really have that that overall just heart that's very charming and it, it brings people into the game and it, it's something that's very different. Like even in the six v six, which you know I I can I look back at and consider a little bit flawed. Like it was still something that not a lot of games were doing. You didn't get a lot of like the team uh, the team play like almost like chess like mechanics where where you're trying to outthink outplay your opponent um nowadays all you get are like you die gg go next game that's like the the short attention span version of gaming that we're that we've sort of slipped into with the the battle royale popularity and i think this is something that has been missing from gaming for quite some time and it's just like to have it come back in such a big way is just very very exciting yeah, I mean, it really is. And like I said, what got me into Overwatch to begin with were the cinematics. Yeah. And the those cinematics, when they first came out, were so different than I think anything gaming had really seen before. You know, I, I remember that was why I got so into it. Because, yeah, like you said, this is not... Overwatch was never a game for me. This was not mm -hmm. something that... I would look at a menu of video games and be like, oh, yeah, like this is the type of thing I'm into. Um, and the the world that Team 4 built around Overwatch is so instrumental to the allure of the game. And then, yeah, I mean, like I agree with you that 6v6 is certainly flawed and I think 5v5 will help with a lot of things and yada, yada, yada. But just that focus on cooperative team play. And obviously you get that in your battle royales when you're rolling with duos or trios or whatever, but to have this really defined rock, paper, scissors relationship between heroes was just so different from anything that had been made at the time. And League of Legends had heroes, World of Warcraft had classes. This certainly wasn't a new idea. Titanfall 2 did a lot of the things that Overwatch would do six to eight months later. 
it's just I think Overwatch did it so much better than we deserved in 2016 and it's you know let it's made us let them get away with three years of nothing but yeah <laughs> it really just was a revolutionary game it was game of the year three years in a row like this game is that was like skyrim shit man yeah I mean, it's really remarkable what Team 4 was able to do in such a short amount of time because this was the fastest title that uh, that Blizzard has ever turned out. Um, like, they, they literally built it off of the bones of of the, the game Titan. Um, that, mm -hmm. that was, the you know, ultimately a failed title. Uh, that, you know, it was supposed to be, I believe, like, it was, it was supposed to be just like a full-on MOBA. It was uh, like an MMO kind of thing. Like, not, not even remotely close to what uh what overwatch ended up being but you know the fact that they were able to build a universe that was so in-depth and so like just it's just like massive like yeah like you you mentioned this a long time ago in, in another podcast that you did about how they, they did a whole bunch of like superhero tropes and in and, and things like yeah, they managed yeah. to mesh those together, but like, there's nothing new under the sun. The fact that they managed to do something this cohesive and also have a very unique and highly engaging gameplay experience is is truly astonishing. Like, it's not something to shake a stick at. And like, there are even there there are echoes of that even today with how quickly they turned around from what Overwatch Two was originally supposed to be to what to the, how they're doing the release now. Because it, the focus used to be so heavily on the PVE going into Overwatch Two, that when they when they one eighty the ship a year and a year and change now ago, the fact that they were able to do what they did and are giving us today in the amount of time that they've done is is also pretty remarkable. Um, so it's yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of curious also to see like where they go from here. Um, with that said. Let's talk about, like, some of the favorite... Let's talk about the favorite aspects of the game. Like, what are your... What, what, are, what are your favorite parts of, let's, of, of Overwatch 1? Let's start with Overwatch 1. Um, nothing feels as good as dumping people in the Ilios well as Roadhog. <laughs> period. That's just, like, there's, there's... I've yet to find a better feeling in the world than dumping people in the Ilios well as Roadhog. Um, I gotta say, like... So I I learned the roles kind of one at a time. I, I learned tank first. I learned support second. And I have learned DPS more recently. And I've been playing a lot of Tracer. And I cannot even begin to say, like, how good it feels to play Tracer even now, knowing that Tracer was one of the first two heroes that was created for this game or the first three heroes created for this game. Like it's so interesting how different she is from really any other character in games before her. Um, and you know, the, the mechanics of tracers blink and tracers recall haven't really changed all that much numbers have gone up and down but the mechanics are the same from what they were when the game launched and it still just feels so good yeah. to like blink up on somebody one clip them 
blink to somebody else, stick them with a pulse bomb, and then recall away. It's it's awesome. It feels great, and I love it. Yeah, I think that really speaks. I, it, it does speak volumes that, that, that w- even one of the first heroes in the game can still have such high value and just such high, like, I guess just such a, like engaging gameplay. I, I'm, I'm going to use that word probably a lot during this conversation because they, I think that's one of the most outstanding things about the game is just how how much creativity it ultimately promotes. Um, I cannot, for the life of me, think of any other, other game. I mean, I, I will actually keep talking about Titanfall within this because they do share a lot of similarities in how... Not so much how, like, they're played, but in the, the sort of creativity that they uh, inspire and encourage um, in how you play the game. Like, there's there we theorycraft a lot when it comes to Overwatch. There's There were similarities with that and Titanfall 2. Like, there's a lot of things that they did very similarly, which is why, ultimately, Overwatch scratched that itch for me. Um, because there's just, there's, there's levels of complexity to Overwatch and, and you get to choose how complex you want to get with it. Um, which again is something that I can't say for things like Apex Legends, where like you have basically one choice with Apex Legends and that's to be really fucking good at the game or you just don't have fun. Cause like you're going to land, you're going to land somewhere and you're just going to get shit on by somebody who really just wants to be good at the game. And like you don't get that kind of like tiered response. Sure. You can play ranked and whatnot, and maybe you'll get more people more your level, but even then it's still like just because of how it's set up, it's not geared towards like casual anything. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, then you have things like uh rainbow six, which good freaking God, like <laughs> I yeah, put CS go on that same list. Yeah. Like it's just that there are, there aren't a lot of games that allow you the option of being casual with it. There aren't a lot of games that like allow you the option of really choosing how far you want to take it. It's, it's a lot of all or nothing in a lot of cases and, and overwatch, like there, there's still value that can be had even in at lower levels of play. And that doesn't, you know, that just doesn't exist in a lot of places. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, the complexity of overwatch is the reason that this podcast exists and it's the reason that you and i have been able to get so into this game and so into the league because there are things to analyze there are things to break down it's not just like whoa that was a sick headshot or such and such just like sniper camped an angle and popped everybody off and i enjoy battle royales i don't think that they're necessarily bad games but i win a lot of battle royales by hiding and then just waiting and then killing one guy like it's you know it's not impossible and i love that overwatch 2 requires so much more of that and or so much more than that it's just really really important to me as a game you know well what's crazy too is like the overwatch has the the option of you know, you are able to do some of the crazy stuff that you see your favorite players do like at all, mm-hmm. at all levels. Like that you can, you can learn, you yourself can learn how to grapple headshot somebody on widow. Like that is something that you can just do all of those things that are like these crazy plays, these things, they have different value at different levels. And there's, you know, there's question as to whether or not th- certain things are viable at certain levels, but all of it is accessible at pretty much every level 
depending on what you decide you want to do with it, which is, again, like the ability to watch something and go, that's really fucking cool. I want to do that. And then being able to do it, that's that in and of itself is, has like such a high value in a, in a good game. Cause like it, it it's it, it has such a, it goes such a long way towards making a game good and enjoyable, because you right. get to experience those moments of, holy shit I just grapple shot somebody or like holy crap I I, I just like booped someone off with a brig uh, with, with a brig uh, flail like that's that kind of stuff that's that's what makes the these games kind of just enjoyable in general. Yeah. So I want to ask you this. Obviously, we're changing from sixes to fives, but. What will you, if anything, miss from Overwatch 1 going forward? I, it's it's hard specifically to say. I, like, I, I talk about how much I'm not a big fan of 6v6 in general, having now played 5v5. Um, I, I think with 6v6, I'm going to miss tank duoing. Um, that's, you know, tank duoing is, it was a really, really cool component um, towards just, like, the overall interplay, especially when it came to more competitive Overwatch. I thought it was a really cool cohesion aspect. Um, again, brought with it some problems overall, especially if you didn't have a tank you were doing with who were you communicating with. But I think that was a really cool, like... It was just another part of that rock, paper, scissors inherent mechanic that Overwatch 1 had that I'm going to miss. Um... If only a little bit. Uh, apart from that, I don't know if there's anything specific I'm really going to miss about 6v6. Like, I, I will say, I, I think that the 5v5 change, despite getting rid of that tank mechanic, like, I, I really do think that it's a very positive step forward for the game. It opens up a lot more possibilities because... As we were talking about with, you know, choosing how, like, at what level you want to play the game, you have more flexibility there because there is more solo carry potential. It's a lot harder to be a new player and completely ruin the game for the rest of your team. Um, yeah. There's, it, it just balances it so much better to the point where, like, there is slack that can be picked up by your team that just doesn't really exist with 6v6 in a lot of ways. Like, if you're, if you're communicating, if you're six stacking, it's really hard to lose. You know, so like that, yeah. that in and of itself, like when you're able to do that, which is in the metal ranks pretty much exclusively, actually, I don't even think you can six stack in the metal ranks. I think you can only uh, do maximum of three and then you're limited to two once you get past like 3,900 SR, but like you can six stack casually. Oh no, I'm not that good, yeah. man. It's like, it's, it's one of those things like you can six stack casually and then you're just going to curb stomp everybody. That's that in and of itself is fun. Um, but I think, you know, as a whole, I'm not going to miss 6v6 all that much because, and you're, you're about to experience this today and I'm excited for you to experience it. Um, 5v5 just feels really, really good. Like it really does. I, it is night and day. Um, I, I wish I could say that I had more nice things to say about 6v6, but it's after you've seen the one, it's really hard to go back to the other and go, oh, it's 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 got its moments. No, for sure, man. I that's that's super real. And like like I said, I'm going to miss 6v6. That is not to say that I don't think 5v5 is yeah. better. It is. I am definitely gonna miss 6v6. I will miss tank dueling as a tank player. Um, I'm really going to miss tank duoing. I'm also going to miss 
duoing as a tank with a support and just having that mentality of like, well, the other tanks do it. It's fine. You know, like I'm going to go be a dick on hog because Reinhardt's holding the shield or whatever. Um, and obviously that's why 5v5 is better. That is the inherent, you know, the inherent advantage. But I, I will certainly miss that. Um, I think I, I'm not going to miss 2CP. Dear God, I'm not going to miss oh, 2CP. Oh, God, yeah. You know what map I have a weird, I, I weirdly miss? Um, and it's bad map. It's Horizon Loser, Lunar Colony. <laughs> I miss Horizon. Uh, I hate Paris. Paris sucks. Paris is a bad Paris map. Paris Objectively bad yards, map. Dude. It's terrible. Uh, Lunar Colony, also a bad map, but a fun bad map. Paris is, like, bad and not fun. Lunar Colony is bad, and uh, it's a little bit fun. Like, if you're losing bad enough on Lunar Colony, you just go out to the moon and do whatever. So I I have been missing Lunar Colony and, and will continue to miss Lunar Colony. Um, shout out to the one dude in Toronto for the last tournament who had a justice for HLC sign that he was holding all weekend. I I will say, I actually, now that we're, we're thinking about it, like, I, I am going to miss aspects of 2CP um, because I am a Torb player. Uh, and I yeah. uh, actually, I, I, I will go so far as to say I am, I am a, more than your average Torb enjoyer. I am probably a Torb connoisseur. Um, <laughs> I like getting very creative with my turret place placement and I like being cancerous on defenses of, of certain two CP maps. Um, uh, so I am going to miss, I am going to miss my little like high ground turret spot on point one of Anubis where I can throw it up on the little ledge that's, uh, opposite of the um the choke point and so as yeah. they come through they have to choose fighting the team or shooting the turret and that is that i'm going to miss i'm going to miss all of the creative little spots on hanamura um and hanamura for all things considered not objectively a bad map um bad game mode but hanamura is a good map i i will i will say for what it is hanamura was a good <laughs> map and i will have moments where i miss that i don't think the assets are going to be gone entirely. I suspect we'll see like classic modes of two CP and things for the perverts who really want to enjoy two CP again. <laughs> but yeah, so three years from now, somebody can donkey can make a video that says, "Here's why two CP was good" or whatever, something like that. Um, no, me neither. I tell you what, I am really gonna miss. I think more than anything is also something that I am the most excited to see change, and that's defensive Arisa. Yes. I love Arisa's kit, and I'm going to miss Arisa's Overwatch 1 kit. I'm stoked for Arisa's Overwatch 2 kit. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to playing it. She's going to be one of the first heroes I roll out on for sure. I'm going to miss Bongo. I'm, I'm going to miss the shield. I play a lot of Arisa. Um on overwatch one and feel kind of the way that you feel about torb where like i you know i know the best yoinks to do with halt and i know the the weird places that you can put an arisa shield and and really cut down on angle and i am certainly gonna miss that um but boy arisa spin arisa throw arisa slam arisa win yep I'm I'm excited for it. I'm gonna tell you this. I, I think you in particular are really, 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 really gonna like the Arisa changes. I um Arisa was the first hero that I ever learned in Overwatch, period. Like I I 
first hero I ever learned. Um, and then just to see the night and day difference between the Overwatch 1 kit and the Overwatch 2 kit, learning, like, seeing, like, what I know now as an, uh, as an Overwatch player, playing Orisa, knowing what I know as, like, a relatively high-ranking tank player, and, and playing Orisa in Overwatch 2, just the, the, the sheer impact that you can have at, that you couldn't have before on your own is is just astonishing and it's so 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 like rewarding to play and it just feels really good so like i think i think you're re i think you're really going to be pleasantly surprised uh maybe even more so than than you than you think like it's it's going to be something to, to that you i think you're really going to enjoy um yeah i'm sure i mean i'm after watching these last two weeks of league i am hot and horny for a Risa rush let me tell you i am i'm hot and horny for it before we wrap up here i don't know if you have anything else i had one one last question for you go ahead i want to put it in bed and carve the headstones what are the things leaving overwatch one and not coming back for overwatch two that we are glad to see die crowd control Let's kick it right, right. On, right on out with, like, all of the crowd control. Every single aspect of crowd control. Bye-bye. Um, get rid of it. Thank God. See ya. <laughs> it, I, I should warn you, it will feel weird. Um, I don't know if you play much McCree these days. Uh, or Cassidy. God. I don't, I don't I know don't. if... You, I, I, that one's gonna... That, that's gonna feel weird for a lot of people that play Cassidy. Like, I... I play a lot of Cassidy, um, mm -hmm. and one of my it, he was one of my biggest um, counter picks in in ranked and in uh, just in general because I would often get an annoying tracer player or a doomfist player, and it was mm -hmm. and I, that that flashbang combo man that was my bread and butter. And yeah, when in the first beta when tracer was really strong. I played Cassidy and I forgot that they sw they got rid of the flashbang and boy did I not have a good time. <laughs> um, but that said, after the learning curve subsided, all of the CC that's gone from the game, better choice, better ingredients, Overwatch. Um, <laughs> Pop a watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't play much Cass. I'm awful. I'm so bad at Cowboy. Um, I am really excited to see Flash Fan go away as a Tracer player. Die to a lot of Flash fans. Um, I will say I've been playing a lot of Brig, and I'm interested to see how Brig feels without the Bash gun. Eh, not so bad. Honestly, not so bad. You don't miss it that much. Cool. It's it, cool. It, the play style is almost identical. You just now get you, you you get you still get to bash. It just doesn't stun. You know. Yeah. It's, yeah. And, and then you get a longer. You get more movement. Yeah. Exactly. So Which, it's like it's it's a fair trade off. It it's it's a little again. It's like a little minor learning curve that you have to deal with for a second. But like, feels fine. Yeah. I tell you what, man. The thing that I'm putting to bed and that I never have to see again is fucking infinite turret bastion true new bastion oh god i don't even i don't even care if new bastion is broken worse than old bastion i don't give a shit just the fact that bastion can't sit in one place and be a turret anymore is 
the best, the best. It's true. Thing. I, I'm so excited. I think this is another one I think you'll like too. Like I, I enjoyed playing the new Bastion. I think he's gonna be really strong. Like he's gonna be really strong pub stomper to some degree, but he requires thought now. Um, <laughs> like like you have to you have to use some brains uh, in order to get value. And I think I, I, the changes are nice. He feels a little bit weak to, if you don't spend enough time with him. But like if you can really get a grasp on those like sticky grenades now it's 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 fun like and if you know you know when to use your turret too like i'm excited oh my god am i excited i'm excited to see what happens with turret mode and kiriko's ultimate because <laughs> I, oh, I haven't god. seen any gameplay of that yet i am curious <laughs> that's gonna Man. be terrifying <laughs> Flats did that video of Kiriko's ultimate and how it combos with other ultimates, and it was a horror show. Oh, it's wild. Just, like, upsetting. Well, the thing is, it's like, it's so, you move so fast and things happen so quickly that it's hard to get perfect value. Like, everybody sees the surface level numbers and they lose their minds, but it's like, how practical does this ultimately end up being? And, right. it, like, on paper is so different than in practice. Like, these guys, these guys are literally nitpicking edge case scenarios, like the perfect... You know, obviously, you know, when you stage it, it's going to freak you out. But, like, in the in the heat of battle kind of stuff, it doesn't happen that often. But it's going to it's gonna affect some things in some really weird ways that I don't think people are particularly ready for. And I'm really, really excited to see what people do with it and, the com like, the wombo combos that end up coming out of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I saw the, the one that really did it for me was Whole Hog. Yeah, um, whole hog in Kiriko's ultimate is just so silly. Oh, it's so stupid. And watching watching a Reinhardt shield and max health just get burned down in the blink of an eye. Um, I, I'm definitely excited for it. But that is really what I have to say about Overwatch One. Yeah, I think I think now it's a fair enough time to. To say goodbye to Overwatch 1, it is 323. I think the odds are fairly good that I I will have access to the server at this point. So, uh, let us close out this podcast by opening up Overwatch 2, saying hello to the new, seeing what there is to see, and seeing... You know, maybe giving a little preview. I haven't swapped the screen yet. I want to make sure that I have access to the server before I, like, put up a blank screen. Um, oh, I have a play button. While Brad is working on screen... I just knocked my microphone. While We're Brad is working on screen things, let me just say, hey, if you're an audio listener of this podcast, this next segment might be a little wonky for you. Friendly reminder, you can catch our VODs both on our YouTube channel as well as on Spotify if you are an audio listener. Ooh, I have a screen. I'm curious to see if you have a zillion people in the queue in front of you. I, that's what I keep seeing on Discord. I have zero in the queue in front of me here. Let me get the screen. <laughs> yeah, I have zero people in the queue in front of me. It's okay. It's now up on my screen. Um, so we're going to see. We're going to see what happens. They, there was a thing saying that there were people were getting like a login error. So we're going to try this. We're gonna try this and see what happens. Um, I I think it's fair to say like I was expecting I was expecting some like some 
some minor server issues, some minor bugs. Every time, like, free-to-play stuff goes out. Like, this, we should be kind of prepared for, like, for this to be the new norm at the beginning of every season. Um, right. I, it's just the, that is the nature of live service games. It's it's a lot of things. This This is a very anticipated game. I'm not at all shocked to see this happen. There's There's bound to be bugs. Um... That being said, actually, I, I do. I, I, I'm going to vamp this by talking a little bit about the expectations for Overwatch 2, talking a little bit about some of the things that I've seen the last couple of days. I've seen a lot of touching, like, goodbyes to Overwatch, similar to the one we just did. Um, yeah. But I also saw a lot of scrutiny about how this isn't what we were promised. This isn't, like, you know, this isn't the Overwatch 2 they to- told us about three years ago or whatever. Um, Seagull had a video yesterday kind of like talking about it. Um what do you think? What do you think about all of the all of the talk that we've kind of heard? You know, I I got to give you my my real hot take and a fair warning, it's spicy, probably not to you but to other people. Um shut the fuck up. <laughs> That's my hot take. There it is. Um so like I don't love Ooh, keep going. the idea of, like, a free-to-play game. Um, I don't love live service games. I don't love battle passes. I don't like any of the things that Overwatch 2 is. But, like, hey, it's 2022 now, kids. That's video games. And I'm sorry. It sucks. I get it. Like, I went to a retro game store yesterday and spent $25 on two NES games, and I'll never have to spend money on those games again. And that's great. And I'm really happy about that. And I wish that it was the same way for Overwatch 2. We have been so spoiled with Overwatch 1 and how much content we got for 40 flat dollars, just straight up. And like that's even taking into consideration that it's basically been a dead game for three years. Like the games just don't work like that anymore people got to make their money and yes it sucks i agree with you but boy is it a minor complaint for a battle pass and system that is shockingly less than uh predatory and is honestly i think just really modern you know what i mean do you think let me let me follow this up with a question. Do you think that um <laughs> in Q thirty thousand players ahead of you? <laughs> That's fine. We we got stuff to talk about. I'm not I'm I'm patient I'm a patient boy. <laughs> That's just really funny. Um I just got a login error, so I'm oh, no. again. Okay. Yeah. Um yeah. So do you think do you think the majority of these complaints are coming from I can't believe I'm about to put it in these terms from our generation, like who grew up with games that weren't in this format. And in just the past, I guess now a technically six years was really when the model started six years ago, this, this free to play. Do you think the backlash is coming from our generation of players be having it so good for so long that we just don't, we've kind of gone boomer with it and we just don't like, accept that this is kind of how gaming has shifted and what we can expect from now on we're kind of we've been fed a steady stream of a brand new game every three calendar years instead of a live service game that is aimed at living for six to ten 
Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's generational, but there is certainly... There is certainly, I think, a vocal minority that has most of these problems, right? I think at the end of the day, most people just don't give a shit, you know? I, yeah. And I really mean that. Like, I think the people who are outraged are also the people who play a lot of games like this, you know? Like, this is... The outrage that I see comes from folks who are largely live service content creators, and I mean, sure, maybe it is generational in the sense if um, I just got a pop up that says we're aware that some players are encountering an unexpected server error message when attempting to sign in. This is actively being worked on. Thank you for your patience. You're welcome, Blizzard. Um, I, I think that it could be generational. Maybe people who have been out of live service games for a while you know like if you were somebody who played overwatch a lot 2016 to 2018 and hasn't touched the game in four years this is probably a little jolting but i i don't know that i see a major like oh yeah it's definitely people who grew up during this time because i have plenty of friends my age and older who are like big wow players or big league players or whatever and they're like yeah i mean it's just life this is just mm -hmm. what we do now and i hate it I'll, I'll bitch and moan about it eight ways to sunday but like i also really understand that it's just the state of play you know and, yeah. and i don't know that that's more generational or that that's more just there are a group of gamers in this world who are exceptionally entitled <laughs> Then that, that leads me to my next thing. Do you think it is a, a level of entitlement that uh, we're seeing with some of the backlash where it's like people are upset that they've separated the PvP aspect from the PvE and now what we have is this quote-unquote pre-launch or pre-release of Overwatch 2 giving us the PvP only and that we will get the, uh, the PvE later. Like, is this... Uh, did did Blizzard scorn us by by changing the ship around, or like, is is any of that backlash really truly warranted? I guess if you want to be mad about something, I won't stop anybody from being mad about PvP and PVE getting split up, and I say that because. You know, way, way back in the um, in the, the Jeff Kaplan era, that was what we were all promised, right? It was like Overwatch 2 is going to redefine the game. You're going to get PvE. You're going to see this sick Reinhardt Reaper combo in a video that's going to disappear from the internet forever. Like, it, you know, there were all of these big lofty promises that came from Blizzard. And if people are salty at blizzard for walking back the rollout of those things then like sure yeah i get it you know i i don't i don't disagree with you that the way blizzard has handled this sequel has been bad um i don't i don't Ooh, now i have forty thousand players ahead of me i feel like these um, numbers are a bit arbitrary <laughs> i sure do yeah <laughs> um you know i i really 
I think that I could see the argument there. Um, and I'm also sure that there were people who got bored of Overwatch and said something along the lines of like, God damn, if only it was the archive missions all the time, I'd be so into this game. And they were promised that and didn't get it. And so like, yeah, all right. I do. I think that all of that animosity is is totally justified no but do i feel better about people being angry that we didn't get pve than i do about people being angry that it's a live service game with a battle pass yes 100 percent. okay so then my final question about it would be do you think that it was the correct decision for blizzard to to make this split and then to you know to give us the pvp early and then and hold off on the pve until it was fully ready or should they have gone the traditional blizzard route and just aggressively hold back the content until everything is ready and then shove it into your face hole all at once boy you know i don't know what shit looks like in the back office of team four i really don't i don't know what has been the the influential things of how this sequel has gone out but if the if the apex decision of splitting pvp and pve was the decision that made getting overwatch 2 released by the end of 2022 a possibility a thousand percent yes it was the right decision you know like this sequel needed to come out yeah if if i were in charge which i'm not but if I were in charge, I would not have made Overwatch 2 a PvP release. I would have simply updated Overwatch 1 for the last three years yeah. and made it the PvP event that I wanted it to be and then worked on the PvE in my own goddamn time. But you know that's not what happened and i think the most important thing is that overwatch 2 is finally here three years after it's supposed to be and whatever decisions they made to make that happen i don't want to say whatever because like blizzard's made a lot of bad decisions but like the the influential decisions in the sense of of timing uh yeah i'm fine with all of them also i don't really care that much about pve i'm not the target audience i'm here for pvp so like eh. all of that is fair i think i i I agree with you pretty much on everything i i think what's crazy i we know at this point that blizzard is just god awful at marketing their games um they have no idea how to like properly spin what's going on in order to like communicate the the what they're doing and make people happy about it they always sort of leave little tidbits out that are like really necessary that everybody goes, well, what do you mean by that? And then they get freaked out. Um, if if this were a perfect world, right, I think the what they should have done is made this game free to play the minute that Jeff Kaplan left. I think, I think the second that he was gone, their first priority should have been to switch on the uh, free-to-play servers and start shoveling in Battle Pass stuff and not calling it Overwatch 2 necessarily, but start gearing everything towards Overwatch 2 and slowly rolling out things like 5v5, maybe add the new heroes, and then truly hold back the Overwatch 2 title to the PvE component 
I think if if it were me in charge of the ship having to write the wrongs that Overwatch One ultimately had and had with their their marketing, like truly the the perfect world scenario was that Jeff Kaplan would be on board with with free to play and would have announced it day of the announcement of Overwatch Two. He would have yeah. gone as of today, you know. We're gonna be bringing. Uh, we're gonna be bringing a new look to what, or redefining the sequel, is what he said. Well, we're redefining the sequel, and after this keynote is done, Overwatch One is free to play uh, to lead us into Overwatch Two. Ideal world. I'm taking my talents to South Beach. Yes, like, that, I'm taking that, my that, that energy. But that's exactly it. Like in a perfect world, that's what should have happened. In the less perfect world that we got, they should have switched on the the free to play. Uh, light switch the second that Jeff Kaplan left and then uh, you know what we got was this which ultimately I completely agree is is the better course for the game like the free-to-play aspect needed to happen as soon as humanly possible I think where the wires got crossed was calling this fully overwatch 2 because the world the majority of the world that left the game saw overwatch 2 as the PvE component and saw that as like the oh it's a new game trying to market overwatch 2 in the current state as a new game is significantly more difficult and i think that's where everything kind of fell flat for them and i'm hoping 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 that more people give the the 5v5 a chance going into the this launch today and it starts to revitalize the game in a big way obviously it's going to bring in a steady stream of income thanks to the sweet sweet battle pass and all of the cosmetics and things like that which the game desperately needed but i'm hoping that with that also comes a lot more players who can experience the the better version of pvp that burned them out (laughs) and hopefully doesn't burn them out in the same way um because to end it sort of on a positive note i really do truly believe that every change they've made all the way down to like how they've reformatted competitive how they've redone the like the intro like your your game options like having unranked and and having the option to play like i think if i'm not mistaken you now have the option to play like ranked rule set but unranked like oh dope so i'm pretty sure that is a thing that has now come to the game as well like all of the things that they have done to just sort of make the game quality of life better skyrocket that into the stratosphere i hope enough people give it a chance that when you can play the game today which i don't think is going to be while we're on stream here unfortunately <laughs> certainly not um nope. when you can play the game today i hope it, it it's it brings enough people back to really inject the much needed uh boost that this game has lacked for now multiple years so um I guess with that, uh, I will end by saying we're not going to get to do the the full send off. I think it's it's fine enough that we can at least get the the Overwatch two loading screen going on to say hello to the new game. Um, I will say that if you're watching us instead of some uh, uh, one of the other numerous streams going on for this launch, thank you for being here. Please be patient with what's going on with the servers. Um, I know we're all excited and super stoked to be doing this today but it is their first attempt at a truly like well you know they have their other big titles but it's it's their first time putting this this big big old project out into the airwaves for everybody so i suspect over the next couple hours there's going to be bugs there's going to be server errors and just keep if you have the free time to do it just keep trying to get on and do this watch watch some streamers um see if they get on see if you can like 
stream snipe your way into getting into the servers. Um, and just be patient, and then we'll all get to play Overwatch 2 probably sometime today, most likely. I would guess the evening hours will clear up a little bit. They'll have some of the, a lot of the technical stuff cleared out. I'm now at 40. Oh, back down to 30,000 players. Oh, oh, we're making progress, people. So, be, I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say I dropped from 40,000 to 30,000, so I'm feeling good. Yeah, so progress is being made. There, You can bet that they're working their absolute asses off to make this go online so that it goes as smoothly as possible. It was always going to have these problems. Be patient and enjoy the game when it comes out. But with that said, I think we can uh, we can roll the outro here, Matt. So why don't you take it away? I would love to. I think that'll do it here for us on this episode of Spectator Diff. Again, please subscribe to us on YouTube, or if you're listening to the audio of the show, subscribe on your podcast app of choice. You can follow me on socials at MC underscore DJ underscore MC. And me on socials at, on socials at last call underscore gaming. We will be back next week. Probably less Overwatch 2, probably more Overwatch League. We'll see what next week brings. And until next time, just remember, we're better at watching Overwatch than you. GG's, everybody.